Here we are this morning with some beautiful truths that we had in Psalm 62, 5, 8, and 10, and Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7. We had some beautiful truths about not worrying in Luke 18, 1, and not worrying at all and turning coward because because we the, the, the enemy has these lies and they're coward thoughts. That he wants to make us cowards. Because you know, if a, if a man is in battle and he's supposed to battle, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read these. Listen, I'm gonna read these this morning and I'm gonna read from the Amplified because it's gonna shorten. It'll shorten my preaching. It'll shorten it so that I can uh, just get into other things without getting sidetracked, because the word is so incredible. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, it says, So you, my son, remember now, this is an apostle, this is the Isagogics, the proper context. Context. Isagogics is look, studying the word in its historical frame of reference. So the Holy Spirit takes us back here, so we can glean these truths that are ours, just as much as they were true back then. So you, my son, be strong, strengthen inwardly in the grace, spiritual blessing that is to be found only in Christ Jesus. Isn't it important to give our wealth over? And the instructions which you have heard from me, this is, again, from an apostle to a young pastor, which you have heard from me along with many witnesses, transmit and entrust as a deposit to reliable and faithful men who will be competent and qualified to teach others. Take with me your share of the hardships and sufferings which you were called to endure as as a good first-class soldier of Jesus Christ. We are in a spiritual warfare. The battle is the Lord in Exodus 14, 14. We are in a spiritual battle in Ephesians 6, 12. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of these particular strongholds, these intense reasonings from the natural that enter, that the enemy wants to come back into focus in the flesh. And that is in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5, and 6, very, very important and pertaining to our obedience. See, look at, take with me your share of the hardships and sufferings which you're called to endure as a good first-class soldier of Jesus Christ. We don't want to be cowardly soldiers. Things get tough. You know, the Marines, when the times get tough, the tough get going. Yeah, with some, some men of God, God forbid, when the time gets tough, up they go. <laughs> run, run, run. Run fast. <laughs> Only you take yourself with you. And all those doubts and fears and then you have to do something about them on your own because the will hasn't been submitted. Here, I'm going to read this. And this is Philippians, the first chapter. And then I'm going to get right back to those. In Philippians chapter 1, it says this in verse 27. Only be sure as citizens so to conduct yourselves that your manner of life, Christ is our life, Colossians 3, 4, this is Philippians 1, verse 27. That your what? That what? Your manner of life will be worthy of the good news, the gospel of Christ. So that whether I do come and see you or am absent, I may hear this of you, that you are standing firm in united spirit and purpose, 
striving side by side and contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings of the gospel. Verse 28, and do not for a moment be frightened, intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. For such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof and seal to them that are trying to cause the fear in you, to them of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation and that from God. Here's verse 29. For you, all of us in Christ, all of us that are hearing this morning, for you have been granted the privilege for Christ's sake, not only to believe in, adhere to, rely on, and trust in him, but also to suffer in his behalf. Oh boy, I want all the blessings. Yes, sir, I do. Suffer? Yeah. Yeah, that's what, that, that's what the Bible says. Yeah. And when I don't want that, Okay, when I don't want that, what do I go back to? Lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. Love not the world, 1 John 2.15. Neither the things that are in the world. You know those things that we left that were a pile of dung in Philippians 3.8? And when we left them, when we don't go forward, what do you suppose we go back to? The enemy's got a bigger pile waiting for us. Proverbs 26.11 tells you what that pile truly is with... Philippians 3 and verse 8. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Now, here it is again. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. So you, my son, be strong, strengthen inwardly in the grace, spiritual blessing that is to be found only in Christ Jesus. And the instructions which you have heard from me, along with many witnesses, transmit and entrust as a deposit to reliable and faithful men who will be competent and qualified to teach others also. Take with me your share of the hardships and sufferings which you are called to endure as a good first-class soldier of of Christ Jesus. No, boy, boy, men, 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 Ed, (laughs) Holy Spirit, Ed, I want your attention this morning. He wants every one of our attentions. No soldier, when in service, in service to Christ, listen, in service has to do with worship. So I'm going to be a worshiper of Christ or a worshiper of self. And if I'm a worshiper of self, really, who, who in my experience is daddying me? No soldier, when in service, gets entangled. Oh boy, you're a pastor teacher? Hey, I got news for you. What? Gets entangled in the enterprises of civilian life. Wow. This is an apostle to a young pastor. His aim is to satisfy and please the one who enlisted him. Okay, anyway. And if anyone enters competitive games, he is not crowned unless he competes lawfully, fairly, according to the rules laid down. You mean I'm going to run in the marathon and compete with the best in the world, and I'm not going to have to suffer and train? I just want to just show up out of my bed four years later and run the race. No preparation. 
And I ain't talking Preparation H. <laughs> so some may know, some may not. That was unnecessary, so, so I'm sorry. It is the hardworking farmer who labors to produce who must be the first partaker of the fruits. I don't, know, I don't want to go into, again, what, you th what this is teaching, by the way. I'll leave that up to God with, with each of us. Okay? Think over these things. I am saying, understand them and grasp their application. For the Lord will grant you full insight and understanding in everything. Constantly keep in mind Jesus Christ as risen from the dead, as the prophesied king, descended from David, according to the good news, the gospel that I preach. Okay, and then it's quoted, Psalm 16, 10. For that gospel, I am suffering affliction. Do you think, you think when you go forward, the enemy's not going to come after you? When you make right choices and obey God by faith, not by sight? You don't think he's going to come after you? <laughs> That's the proof you're in God's will. Not the, not the, the uh, absolute exact opposite. It's the proof you're in God's will. Constantly keep in mind. For that gospel I am suffering, in 2 Timothy 2.9, affliction, and even wearing chains like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained or imprisoned. Isn't that awesome? Therefore I am ready to persevere and stand my ground with patience and endure everything for the sake of the elect, God's chosen, so that they too may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with the reward of eternal glory. The saying is sure and worthy of confidence. If we have died with him, if we have, and the context here would be believers, if and we have, okay, <clears throat> we will also live with him. If we endure... <laughs> We will also reign with him. If I don't endure, do I reign with him? In my thought life, in my experiential life, if I don't endure suffering, and go, if I don't, and I have him with, to do it with me, by the way, he never leaves us nor forsakes us, Hebrews 13, 5. He's ever living to make intercession for us in Hebrews 7, 25, in Hebrews 9, verse 24, and in Romans 8, verse 34. So we're not doing it alone. In, in Isaiah 63, in verse 9, it says, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. Not doing it alone. Not doing it. But the enemy wants to tell you that. He wants to get you all alone with his thoughts and make you lonely. That's why the Bible teaches us and we teach it's good to be alone with God. Because when I'm alone with God in a proper sense, it's teaching me two things. What I'm not, and I need to learn that, any longer in the flesh and who I am in Christ and neither change. Neither change. The saying is sure and worthy of confidence. If we have died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Right now, if we deny and disown and reject him, this is experience, this is disobedience, this is knowing the truth and not doing it in James 4, verse 17. That's what it is. If we deny and disown and reject him, he will also deny, disown, and reject us. This is not salvation. This is fellowship. This has to do with fellowship. Because as much as God loves me, 
in Christ. When I live in sin, he cannot and will not fellowship with me. And doubt and worrying is sin. If you don't believe me, read the context in Romans 14, 22 and 23. If, if we are faithless, do not believe and are untrue to him, and I can be, and where does that happen? In the flesh. Is it who I am in Christ? No, but in the flesh, in Romans 8, 9. He remains true, faithful to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot, will not, could not, never will deny himself. Remind the people of these facts. This is what God's doing this morning. Solemnly charge them in the presence of the Lord to avoid petty controversy over words which does no good but upsets and undermines the faith of the hearers. There's so much garbage out there, and that's why the protection of a local assembly is so very vital, very vital, especially in these last days. And I'm going to tell you, it's, and then we'll see where we are as we begin to wrap it up, but not quite yet. Remind the people of these facts and solemnly charge them in the presence of the Lord to avoid petty controversy. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> oh, boy. Over words, which does no good but upsets and undermines the faith dependence of the hearers. Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved. Tested by what? Trial. You mean hardships and... Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed. Isn't that interesting? Correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. But avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk. That's a Christian getting with another Christian and expressing all their fears and doubts. Is there any fellowship in that? Any fellowship in your own private plans when God's called you first and foremost to a local assembly? And no matter what, no matter who comes to you, you may, you may, have, you may minister to them quietly, but they can learn, even without you saying a word to them, by you not giving up your place for the few times during the week when you do come and have and be a part of a joint that supplies in a local assembly. I'm going to make that crystal clear, and we need constant reminding of that. Right. Avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their teaching will... Notice that, the teaching? Mm Mm-hmm. You're teaching, you don't want to teach someone. I want to teach you what? Jeez, I, I, I don't know if I can trust God with it. So what are you teaching the other one? I don't know if you should either. <laughs> really? See? And the teaching will devour. Devour it. Will eat its way like cancer or spread like gangrene. So is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who missed the mark and swerved from the truth by arguing that the resurrection has already taken place. They are undermining the faith of some. But the firm foundation of laid by, God stands sure and unshaken, bearing his seal, his inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. Do we understand that? Are you your own anymore? 
Are you? Am I? Are we? Really? So I don't submit my will. I live in a lie that now I am my now I got to take care of me. I got Yeah, there's responsibilities and accountabilities. Absolutely. And discipline. That's right. And God's teaching humility. You just might have to trust him for everything. Whereas before we didn't have to. And when I didn't have to, I didn't need him. When you don't trust him, all we're saying, any of us, is I don't need you. What a lie, huh? What a lie. And to think that we don't need fellowship. And to think that we don't need constant preaching and teaching. Which we do. Which all of us do. We do. But the firm foundation of, laid by God, stands sure and unshaken, bearing this seal inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names himself by the name of the Lord, and you, we all have a new name, it's going to be expressed in Revelations 2 and 17, but we all have a new name, which means a new nature. The Lord knows those who are his in their new nature that, that God the Father giving his Son has made them to be in positionally, but experientially as they submit to the preaching and teaching of the Holy Spirit through those in Ephesians 4.11 that he's chosen to do this. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names himself by the name of the Lord give up all iniquity. And what's iniquity? The refusal and resistance to submit our will to him constantly. Now I need time to worry. I need time for, uh, in, in this time that's so short, in 1 Corinthians 7, 29, I'm going to allow the enemy through lies to burn up energy that would cause me to go forward, but then just go back. Like the prodigal, he left the house long before he crossed the threshold in Luke, the 15th chapter. Let everyone who names himself by the name of the Lord give up all iniquity and stand aloof from it. Number 16, 5, Isaiah 26, verse 13. But in a great house, in all of Christianity, and listen to me, even local assemblies, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also utensils of wood and earthenware. You want to know what those are? We can have both of us, both of those in the Christian. That's Romans 8, 9. That's 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15. Earthenware, and some for honorable and noble use, and some for menial and ignoble use. So, whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean, who separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences, and that starts with thought force, looking for a vessel to function in, and we only function under one master or the other. You can't have two. Matthew 6, verse 24 has made it very clear. Human beings, saved or unsaved, function under one or the other. Can't have two. And you're not a master of yourself. By the way, the master, our master, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, has formed an eternal plan for us. And he doesn't change his mind. So, whatever, whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean, and how does that happen? That's James 4, 8. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Then you cleanse your hands, you sinners, and you purify your hearts, you're double-minded. But it all starts with humility in James 4 and verse 6 right through verse 10. 
who separates himself from contaminating and corrupting influences. That's Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication, if it's words, but were they first, thoughts. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not God, the Holy Spirit, from constantly declaring who you are in your proper image in Christ in 4.29 of Ephesians and verse 30. So whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean, who separates himself, and that only happens through the word in Hebrews 4.12. Now you have the sword of the Spirit and spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6.17, but you need that above all things in Ephesians 6.16. You need to take the shield of, of faith, and in the Greek it's the faith. It's all those truths about the person of Christ and the work that he's accomplished for the individual, us. And we keep growing in them. In 2 Peter 3, and verse 18, <laughs> we just keep growing in them, okay? With contaminating and corrupting influence, will then himself be a vessel set apart, this is sanctification, we have been positionally, how about experientially? Okay, one doesn't change, and the change doesn't, but it needs to grow, and that's progressive sanctification and growth. Set apart and useful for honorable and noble purposes, consecrated and profitable to the Master, Christ. Fit and ready for any good work. Shun youthful lust. Young people, young Christians, young men, old men, in-between men, babes, 1 John 2, 12 to 14, young men and spiritual fathers. Shun youthful lusts, and flee from them. Don't play around with them. Don't play around trifle like your little favorite toys. Flee from them. <laughs> What's behind it is far more powerful than you and I. It's a whole demonic force. And aim at and pursue righteousness, all that is virtuous and good, right living, conformity to the will of God. You see that? In thought. Word, deed, and aim at and pursue faith, love, and peace, harmony and concord with others in fellowship. Man, if my thought isn't God and I come, and can I have fellowship? I can confess it and get right back in 1 John 1, 9. But I'll tell you one thing. The easiest thing for us to do is to get out of fellowship with God. The hardest thing can be, can be to get back in. And sometimes it takes a long time. Flee them instantly so that you can pursue faith, love, and peace and harmony and concord with others in fellowship, which means in Christ, with all Christians who call upon the Lord out of a heart, a, a mind, emotions, a will, a self-consciousness, and a conscience that's been purified. You can see that again in Titus 1 and verse 15. But refuse, listen to this, refuse, shut your mind against, have nothing to do with trifling, ill-formed, unedifying, stupid, no, I wouldn't say that in the original, hmm? controversies over ignorant questionings. What's an ignorant questioning for a believer? You can't trust God for this. And I get overwhelmed with it, and then I sleep beautifully, right? No, the lines, are, they fall out to me in a pleasant place when I receive them in Psalm 16, verse 6. And then my reins, okay, 
My reins instruct me in the night seasons. In other words, what I take in can be played right back and I get sleep. And that's how he gives in Psalm 127 and verse 2, his beloved sleep. Because they were prepared for it. And he prepared them through his word. That not only while they're active, they're under his influence, but even in their, even in their times when they sleep. I'm going to wrap it up here. Because I only have 12 minutes left. But refuse, shut your mind against, have nothing to do with trifling, ill-formed, unedifying, stupid controversies over ignorant questions, questionings. For you know that they foster strife and breed quarrels. Uh, you know, a believer doesn't want to live in obedience to God. You think he has an effect on a local assembly? You want to make a bet? And then that's going to be okay, right? And things aren't going to be dealt with, okay? Really? No. No, nope, not going to happen in any of us. Verse 24, and the servant, the worshiper of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, fighting and contending. Instead, he must be kindly to everyone and mild-tempered, preserving the bond of peace. He must be a skilled, listen to this, this takes, this takes time to do this, folks. That's why you're not, not a novice in 1 Timothy 3, 6. Not laying your hands on someone uh, suddenly in 1 Timothy 5, verse 22. And that might mean they even have a gift. But my God, you lay your hands on them and try and build them up and tell them everything they have. They can't handle it. Who could? It's the wrong thing to do. You're not helping them. You're hurting them. Because then you convince them that, you know, in a handful of years, now they know a bunch. Whew. They fall into the smoke screen and get puffed up. We know knowledge puffs up. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. Yeah, but, but love edifies. And that needs, that's time. And by the way, again, by the way, in the scriptures in the Old Covenant Jews, they were, weren't considered to even reach manhood between the ages of 35 and 40. <laughs> Some form of decent maturity for all of us. Now, servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, fighting and contending. Instead, he must be kindly. He must be kindly to everyone and mild-tempered, preserving the bond of peace. He must be a skilled and suitable teacher, teacher, patient and forbearing and willing to suffer wrong. People tell you they're going to do something, then they don't do it. Oh, there's a measure of suffering in that. They tell you you're going to do something, they're going to do it consistently, then they don't do it. Suffer wrong. Verse 25. He must correct his opponents with courtesy and gentleness in the hope that God may grant that they will repent, do an about face, change their mind, and come to know the truth, the truth that they will perceive and recognize and become accurately acquainted with and acknowledge it. One of the things you should get if you're starting out this is what I suggest you get. I suggest you don't miss the word. Don't miss times when you can to come and hear the word of God. Because that's Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing, literally in the original, it says, by the preaching of the message. That's face to face. Don't think you're going to get a bunch of books and then just study on your own. 
You read Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, in verses 9 through 13, and you'll get a clear Much study for a person that's young, doesn't know any better, it wearies the flesh. I'm just going to tell you that. Get an amplified Bible. Get a concordance. Seriously. Start with those two. And don't miss every opportunity that you can come and have the Word of God so that you don't be a private interpreter in 2 Peter 1 and verse 20 of the Word. And some think they might have enough just because maybe God has used them so graciously like any of us, like now they've arrived. None of us have, thank God. Just not yet. We never will for all eternity, but we're in Him. He must correct his opponents, but he does it with skill. There's, there's skill involved. That they may come to their senses and escape out of the snare of the devil. You want to talk about a snare? Read Proverbs 29 and verse 25. Don't have time to get in to all of them, but there they are. That they may come to their senses and escape out of the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him. How's he hold us captive? Look. Henceforth, to do God's will. So has my will been captured by Satan with disobedience? Yeah, worrying. No such thing as worrying prayer, by the way. (laughs) Did you know that? There's no such thing as that. That's Psalm 62, 5 through 10. It's trusting, trusting him. Because why go to him if if you're worrying you don't believe him in the first place? What's the sense? Does it make any sense? No, you're going to live in nonsense until you finally come to the place, and I do, of helplessness and hopelessness. This is useless. What the heck am I doing? You ever do that? All this doubt and fear and all this other stuff? You know, he, sometimes he has to allow, and we didn't, I didn't even get into touching this the way I wanted to this morning, but God had something different. So this will have to be saved for Monday. And I would advise all those that can and should for an hour, an hour and a half, not to miss it. There's a lot that God will give us in person. We may think we won't miss it, but if we could hear it and we didn't, we, he will still be faithful, but you won't get as much. I promise you this. Because humility, listen, meekness is who I am, and I'm going to close with this, meekness is who I am when I'm all alone with God. Everything is easy then, isn't it? You know what humility is? Humility is what I am in the presence of God around others, other believers in a local assembly. And you know what that's like? We've talked about this in years past. God calls someone to come to a local assembly. The picture is that the local assembly is a bag. What that bag does is it holds them all together. Then he sends one stone into the other, into the bag. And all those stones arrive and they all have a lot of sharp edges. <laughs> they haven't been knocked off and smooth and polished. So God begins to shake. Whew. You see that in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Look at verse 24 to 29. He begins to shake. And boy, their point, their pointed, their sharp thing hits against me. And oh my God. You know what he's doing? He's polishing. And he's fitting each single individual into their proper fitted place so they function in a local assembly as a joint that supplies. See? My joint 
cut my joint out and put it on the table. Does it live by itself? You need to come and hear the word of God. And don't allow the enemy to give you plans and reasons and excuses why you can't do it. Because he's going to try. He's not going to give up. He won't give up until you give up your will and my will to him. The only way that keeps that from happening is to give my will over to God. So that now I become mastered. I become mastered and he masters me with the authority of his love. He does it. Amen? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm laughing, and the reason I am, I'm telling you tr truthfully, is this is amazing, and amazing, intimate counsel for me personally, and I don't know if anyone else got it, but I promise you I needed it. I absolutely mean that with my whole heart, not exaggerating for a second. Boy, did I need it. And thank you, Lord, for your love. Will you counsel us with your love when our will is submitted and when we're entreatable? And we've cast aside all these other thoughts. Cast them aside. Cast them down. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, so that we can function in a will that's now able to function in obedience and to receive what we need for counsel. Because, oh my God, you so don't want the enemy coming in to those that are yours and condemning them. In 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. Thank you for your love, Father, and your counsel this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.